All right, welcome everybody to the uh, iced over edition of Legal Tech Week. Uh, it seems like uh, not too many sections of the of the country aren't getting iced over right now. Although I guess California's doing okay. Uh, but uh, this is the show where we talk about the top stories in legal tech and innovation for the week. I'm Bob Ambrosi. I write the blog Law Sites and have the podcast Law Next. And we've got a smallish panel today. Uh, some of our usuals are off in other directions. Uh, so uh, let's just do some quick introductions here. Victor, you want to kick it off? Sure. Uh, I'm, my name is Victor Lee. I'm Assistant Managing Editor for the ABA Journal, covering business of law and technology. And I am in sunny, breezy Chicago, uh, where it was, it was minus one this morning, but I think they said it was like minus 10 with wind chill, which actually is not as bad as I thought it was going to be. So I'm, I'm actually quite thankful for that. And uh, great. And uh, Nikki. Uh, Nikki Black, I am uh, with my case and I write columns for ABA Journal Above the Law, the Daily Record and sometimes other outlets. And I also oversee and write the um, Benchmark reports, the Law Pay and My Case benchmark reports, and the Law Pay and My Case legal industry report. Um, and I'm coming at you from warm and breezy upstate New York, where I just checked before we all uh, went live, and it's uh, minus 18 with wind chill here. So nice and warm and balmy here. <laughs> and for the weather report from New York, Joe Patrice. Uh, it's cold. Uh, it is very <laughs> cold and very windy here uh, in what I would consider upstate New York, but Nikki would not, uh, to the extent, I mean, upstate New York starts at about 14th street in my mind. So <laughs> it, I qualify, uh, yeah, I'm uh, Joe Patrice from above the law and the thinking like a lawyer podcast. And I am, you know, uh, bracing for the, for a cold, cold Eve. I feel like we should all ask chat GPT what the weather is just so we can see how bizarre the answers are that it gives us in return. Uh. Hasn't been a good week for ChatGPT necessarily. I mean, after all the uh, initial uh, excitement about it, it's 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 starting to show some of its flaws and uh, and hallucinatory uh, 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 fantasies uh, are coming out yep. of it. Uh, uh, maybe that's a good place to start because you, you you wrote about some of those hallucinations, Joe, this week. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. And well, let's, in the interest of keeping things light and fun, uh, well, not light and fun, I guess, but uh, <laughs> keeping things with a positive framework before we go to the negative framework. Uh, one story that I wrote about this week was that uh, Ironclad announces that they are going to have some chat GPT technology is going to be embedded within their kind of AI assist that they have, uh, which I watch some of the videos of this in action and it's super cool. It allows you to type in, you know, what you want the, the contract to have, like type in an open-ended, you know what, let's have all of these, let's have a bunch of mutual confidentiality provisions and it will instantly redline up the thing so that you can just click right through all the changes and make sure it's right. That's awesome. That is what chat GT, GPT can possibly do for the legal world in a good way. Uh, that said, I've been more down on it than some people uh, as a technology, because while I think it's kind of cool, a lot of folks talking about how it's going to replace writing briefs and stuff like that. I I, I don't know. I, I feel like, it, and you know, this is a phrase that we all kind of use, but the garbage in, garbage out problem is getting glossed over a lot when we talk about chat GPT. 
and a good example of this is SCOTUS blog decided to test chat GPT with some basic legal questions and, uh, the results were less than inspiring. Uh, it turns out that Clarence Thomas was a proud defender of gay rights and Ruth Bader Ginsburg fought tooth and nail to keep same-sex marriage illegal. Uh, but that's what's going to happen. And I guess my my real, between the two stories, my real theme was this technology is very interesting. It has some potential to do some cool things. It is not magic beans by itself. And it really gets the way to integrate it into something that works well is where you can pair it with a data set that is tested and vetted and good. Uh, when it spits out something that ironclad has already deemed appropriate and, and legal officers have deemed good language, then that's great. When it's searching the internet for an answer and it's spitting out the Clarence Thomas was on top of uh, that decision, then it's not good. And that was kind of my theme of the week. Yeah, well, that, that, that's all good. I, I had um, uh, sort of good good and bad also, I guess, this week in terms of chat GPT. I mean, so I, I saw the ironclad thing, which I thought was really cool, actually. And that's, yeah. you know, that seems like there's a great solid example of, of how you can use GPT uh, in a in a in a productive uh, uh, and practical way, um, there was uh, also another one uh, th that I wrote about this week. Uh, you guys may have covered it too on on docket alarm using uh, GPT, basically to show you summaries of litigation filings as you're going through a docket sheet. I mean, you know how is you're, you're reviewing, say you're on Pacer or whatever, you're well, not on Pacer, you'd be on docket alarm. But I mean, when you're reviewing a docket sheet from the federal courts or from state courts, you know, you'll see this long list of, uh, you know, complaint filed or, or maybe motion filed with all these exhibits attached to it. It'll say exhibit one, exhibit two, exhibit three, and they're all PDFs that you have to click on the PDF and download it and read it to see what it says. There's no way to just know quickly get a sense of what it is so one thing gpt does really well is summarize uh create summaries uh and so what they did uh, michael sander uh, founder of uh, docket alarm uh just set up this uh integration with gpt so that now when you hover over one of those little links you a little summary pops up of what's in the document. GPT is just jumping in and, and reading the PDF and creating a summary of it, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's not perfect. Uh, you know, it's still still uh, uh, in beta for them and, and still got some kinks that you can't necessarily rely on the summary as a totally accurate statement of what, what's in there, but, uh, but it's kind of cool. Um, well, I think it's uh, super- No, Maureen, Sorry. I'm not really somewhere warm. Yeah, go ahead. I was um, going to say the, the one other bad thing, though, just that that happened this week was the, another sort of example of the hallucinatory uh, uh, tendencies of of uh, GPT. Is is uh, um, uh, I wrote about uh, a, a, another new product, uh, another new use of GPT, um, and uh, in which uh, um, uh, they. Uh, uh, the the screenshot they gave me of it doing uh answering a legal question uh <clears throat> i didn't even notice until pablo arredondo from case Tax pointed this out to me it was made up law it was a it, it quoted a, it quoted a section from uh, a statute uh, that 
is not what the statute says. <laughs> so, uh, and even the developer of the product, had, he was the one who gave me the uh, screenshot and hadn't noticed that. So uh, got got those hallucination issues. Well, the, what it reminds me of, I've, I've seen it described one way and I see it a different way. One way that I saw it described, uh, someone mentioned on Facebook, mansplaining at its best. Like it's like someone who doesn't quite know what they're talking about, just kind of bullshitting and it sounds really good. But for me, it almost feels like when you catch your three-year-old just in a bald face lie, like it's so obvious they're lying, but they'll look at you with big eyes and make up a really believable fabrication about what just happened and stick to it, like they'll hold to it. And for me, it reminds me more of sort of that feeling when you're interacting with this AI. That being said, everyone's always afraid that AI is gonna replace jobs and replace lawyers and replace everyone else. I don't think that's what's going to happen, at least not anytime in the near future, because you need someone with a foundational knowledge about the topic that's being discussed or being researched so that they can vet the response and take what they need from it and save a lot of time in the process, um, but still absolutely be able to call out that BS when they see it and delete it. Um, and so like I found that I've used it in a bunch of ways, sometimes just like for an introductory sentence that I'm struggling with. You know, it just sort of gives me the foundation to write it. But I've also noticed uh, someone else who I will not name just writing all their crap, clearly chat GPT. Like if the voice is completely changes, this person had a very unique voice and it is gone. And it's the run on sentences are gone. The, you know, like it's clearly chat GPT is writing what they're saying, um, which is kind of annoying, especially when it's such a clear change of voice. So people definitely need to avoid doing that. But I think it's super interesting. And then the other thing that I'll just point well, wait, out- you're not going to tell us who that is? Come on. I no, I'm not going to slander anybody because <laughs> it could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. <laughs> but, but then the well, other- it's, thing, it's not slander if you're right. But I don't, have, I don't have a, I can't prove it. Like, I don't know. Truth, truth is an absolute defense. <laughs> but the other thing is like um, that I stumbled upon, I wrote about this on LinkedIn, is I'm going to put it in the comments, but it's this Twitch thing where it's a, an AI. It's not ChatGPT, but it's an AI that has taken all the Seinfeld episodes and it just makes up Seinfeld episodes. And it's all these little weird avatars that are really wonky and walk funny. And it's cuts between like them in one of the um, buildings, like one of the rooms in Seinfeld to like Larry Seidenfeld, or they give him some weird name doing stand-up and it's bizarre because none of it makes any sense because it doesn't understand the context. It doesn't understand the jokes, but the best part of it, in addition to just the bizarre um, discussions that these little characters have is the running commentary. Like this, well, I get lost in watching this. It's hysterical, but it's a great example of like the good, the bad of AI. Like it's such a weird mashup of something we all know and love, but it has no context whatsoever. But then like the internet's tweaked it and has this running commentary that makes it even almost funnier than the actual show itself was. So I'll add yeah, it's, in the comments. It's, it's, called nothing, it's called Nothing Forever. And I have also been entranced by it. I, uh, I watched it for, I put it on for like 10 seconds to see what it was like. And I found myself locked <laughs> in for five minutes of completely unfunny nonsense as it tries to be funny, which is, yeah, it was crazy. It's like the yeah, best I mean, and the worst of AI though, right? Like utopia, dystopia, this thing's like somewhere in the middle. I don't know what it is, but it's sort of what AI does. What was, what was the article? I think, I think I don't know if Joe wrote it, but I think it was on Above the Law where it was just like, uh, they, they had ChatGPT take a law school final. Like that, like a, it got like average of C plus, I think or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, for, for a B student in law school, I, I kind of took offense to that, but you know, whatever. Um, but, uh, but, but, but that's sort of where it is right now, right? I mean, it's sort of like, 
it's at, the, it's, it's at like a C plus level, maybe even in some cases it's C or D or in some cases it's B minus, but like, you know, but, but as, as, as more, as more, you know, you know, as it studies more, as it, you know, develops better, you know, habits, so to speak, you know, uh, learns more and that kind of stuff, then, you know, maybe eventually it'll, it'll get closer to like law review status and then maybe it'll start writing law review articles too. But um, I mean, although I guess, I guess, I guess it already has in some cases, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think, the thing with with um, you know ultimately it's still it's still that question of sort of like you know you can you know, you can have you can have all the was the with the monkeys right with the monkeys typing on typewriters right like 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 they can they can they can create a five hundred page novel but it won't make any sense and so you know it's sort of at, at that stage right now where it's like you have you know the capability to produce all this all this all this all this data all this text all this but it won't necessarily make sense to the people reading it and it won't for a long time and so or or maybe not too long who knows but um, because I think the thing I saw was that like um, somebody put somebody somebody had somebody wrote Godfather Four for by using ChatGPT or something like that, but like it was so like it was so general and so like 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 I think the, the characters' names were all like kind of weird and like um, you know the, the the plot was very kind of like generic stuff like like, like, like they could have just taken like various pieces of fan fiction that they'd seen like 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 across the internet and just kind of mashed it all together so it's kind of like a little bit of this a little bit of that you know i was like you know um um you know don vincent does this and then you know uh uh and then you know his his wife is this and blah 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 and it's uh, I, and, and and just reading it over just kind of like okay it's not it's not it's, it's not there yet but you know who knows maybe 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 with more time and more advances and more you know context and it'll eventually get closer to where it's supposed to be but but yeah i mean i i definitely sort of agree with bob that like for very limited and with joe too with very limited uh, for very limited purposes, like it definitely serves a need now and can definitely be used for, you know, for, for, for things, but, you know, as to whether or not it's going to replace these things now. But Hey, does don't mafia people always have weird names. It's, I mean, like the ones I know are all named like meatball or skyball or things like or, that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What was, um, uh, on the, on the Simpsons, my favorite one was, uh, Jimmy the squealer because he would just, he would just, he would just, he would just talk all the time. And I'm just like, well, if you hadn't named him Jimmy the Squirrel, he probably wouldn't be talking to the cops right now. But you know, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it, things are getting interesting. Uh, you know, the, now with with Microsoft saying that it's going to be integrated into uh, Office and Teams and Bing Search, I think Mark Palmer pointed that out uh, in the chat. Google um, too. February eighth, they're rolling out their version. Their version, but not yeah, not OpenAI's product, but their own uh, their own product, um, and and that'll be interesting. But I, you know, I think that the important point about all these sort of hallucinatory effects of uh, of, of uh, ChatGPT is that this is all using the um, you know the the untrained essentially version it was not untrained but it's not trained on legal materials it's it's the version that's just trained against the the, the world at large you know reddit or whatever um and uh as companies uh, are able to start uh more directly fine-tuning uh and training this technology against uh legal data uh legal specific data then a lot of these hallucinations, I would suspect, are, are going to disappear. I think, anyway. Um, 
So uh, let's see. What else shall we talk about this week? Uh, actually, I, I'll talk about bring up one of mine just because I thought it was kind of uh, interesting uh, of Clio launching in uh, Australia. Um, so Clio, the, uh, the the practice management uh, platform, we all know what Clio is, uh, announced that it's uh, launching uh, not just its product, but opening an office uh, in Australia. Uh, and uh, and that, that will then be kind of its base for expanding throughout the uh, Asia Pacific uh, region. Uh, and I mean, that, that's interesting in and of itself, not all that surprising because we know we know uh, Clio's got a lot of money and wants to continue to expand. I, I do think the interesting thing there, though, is it could make for an interesting competition war because Australia has kind of long been the uh, the domain, if you will, of, of Leap. Uh, you know, one of the uh, the, the practice management uh, software that uh, started there twenty uh, something years ago, uh, and uh, that is part of this kind of odd empire that owns InfoTrack and Smokeball and uh, uh, other products that are out there on the market. Uh, and uh, so there will be uh, an interesting, I think, competition war heating up in Australia over the next year. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out as, as Clio tries to get a, a foothold there. I don't know. I don't know. Is my, is my case moving to Australia too, Nikki? Or we... I don't have any plans right now. <laughs> You're going to ask me about the company direction of a Finipay? <laughs> uh, no comment, I guess. But yeah, all right. <laughs> um, I mean, Leap. Somebody mentioned why. I'm not sure why it hasn't made a greater impact. But Leap is got a huge impact in in Australia. I mean, it is the leading practice management platform in Australia. I I, I always think. I mean, they've they kind of started out in the U.S. having a weird strategy. I think for expanding in the U.S. I always thought because they were doing it on a on a state by state basis, which and they had a good reason for that, which was that they were trying to, you know, they had a lot of sort of customization built into the platform that was state specific so that forms and, and whatever document automations, that sort of thing are, are built into the platform are are tailored to the state that they're operating in. So that kind of kind of launched in like Massachusetts, I don't know, a handful of states originally. Uh, and then I think about a year ago, I think they decided that it made more sense to uh, try and expand more nationally across the United States. But uh, there's still, uh, you know, they still I don't think they've really taken a leading role sort of among the practice management contenders. I, I, I don't know somebody else might disagree with that. But but they do have they also InfoTrack is here and InfoTrack uh, owns like the Legal Talk Network bought them uh, last year and uh, owns uh, uh the law toolbox and uh you know a few other uh products out there in in the u.s and and then smokeball is in the u.s as well and and uh uh you know it's also one of the one of the uh up there in the top uh platforms so uh all right what else should we talk about ethics new york ethics yeah, I wrote about um, an opinion that um, was out of New York. I always, because I'm in New York, I like to follow the uh, New York um, opinions. And this one, I- That makes sense. This, 
You should do that. <laughs> no, what's going on? At first glance, this one struck me as, as I was reading it. <clears throat> well, one thing that frustrates me, I just wrote about this on LinkedIn today too, is this was about YouTube and ad lawyer advertising and what constitutes advertising and what does not. And initially when I started reading it, I was annoyed because I feel like the ethics committees in general unnecessarily complicate the ethical issues as they relate to online interactions. And that from the very beginning, it's like this knee-jerk reaction. Oh no, it's new, it's crazy. We've got to like do this in-depth dive into all this weird stuff. And they've done this since the beginning. And it's always frustrated me because the online is just an extension of the offline. You can find offline interactions oftentimes that are very similar to whatever the online conduct you're talking about is take those opinions that address those uh, offline conduct and apply the whole the decisions from those opinions to the um, current issue. <clears throat> and oftentimes I feel like they all really just need to be like, see this opinion and apply those. And, but that's not what they do. And instead, especially in the very beginning, they do these deep dives into all these weird, very specific things and technology moves so fast that if you issue opinions about a very specific function of a particular type of technology, it's gonna be moot before you even get the thing published. And my favorite example of this was when New York wrote about LinkedIn <clears throat> and specialties. Does anyone remember when there used to be a specialty section of LinkedIn bios? And the whole issue was, can lawyers put the practice areas under that specialty section? So someone asked the New York bar, and you know, it takes months for it to like get, for them to decide, have a committee, make their decision that they're gonna write about it, do all the research, have a paper, have a draft, spread it all around. Everyone makes their comments. They all agree on a final one. They finally publish it. This is like seven months after like the initial inquiry. And in the meantime, in this particular case, LinkedIn removed that section from the bio, I'm sure in part because of all the complaints from lawyers about the ethical issues it presented, yet they still published the opinion and it was moot when they published it. So it's like, you got to issue these broad strokes if you're going to do stuff about tech, not these very narrow opinions. And so when I initially read the New York opinion <clears throat> and what it was about, I was annoyed because if you want to say something, though, you're, I don't know. Oh, no, I, I just thought you were done. And I was going to shift oh. it to a slightly oh. off of your LinkedIn thing. But oh. anyway, I've lit, we'll get there. OK, so essentially what this opinion said um, was. All the things they already say about blogging, right? Is it educational content? If it's purely educational content, you don't need a disclaimer. But if it is somehow promotional, you need a disclaimer, which seemed to me a stupid thing to issue an opinion about until I got to the very tail end and they raised a very good point, which does surprise me because usually New York does a really good job with these things. And so what they said was, but you can embed LinkedIn videos into other content that is advertising, like a website or some other sort of site. And when you embed that video, it then can become considered attorney advertising, in which case you probably need to have a disclaimer in the video or under the de description of the video. And so that was what made me decide that they actually should have issued an opinion when normally I think they shouldn't. And so I thought that was interesting and it was a very good point. And it was not, I can't think of an offline corollary off the top of my head that is similar, where you'd have some sort of conduct that somehow gets embedded in some other type of offline conduct <clears throat> where you need a disclaimer in that instance. I could be wrong and I'd love it if someone else could think of it. But so I thought that was interesting. Embedding is is very online. It, yeah, it's I hard know. for me to embed things offline. But uh, one of the but the the reason when you're mentioning that LinkedIn issue, I uh I wrote a story recently and I put it in the chat for the people who are following along live. 
It, that was really interesting because some of these ethical, not New York, but uh, this was about, I think, I think it was like New Jersey or something, but they they had an ethics opinion that was technically allowed this, but, you know, was vague enough that it created some concern. Yeah. In a lot of ways, these you can't tout specialties uh, rules tend to impact lawyers of color more than than white lawyers. And part of the argument is that given, you know, a lot of the built in structural reasons why white lawyers have advantages, a lot of lawyers of color and, and women need the need to win like those 40 best lawyers uh, in Philly kind of things in order to, you know, generate business. And obviously pay for pay to play ones are bad. Uh, and those should be lawyer advertising. But if you're acknowledged by a non pay to play site for getting that kind of acknowledgement, it's it's there's a chilling effect by some of these rules to putting it on your your website. But it turns out that that's largely one of the ways in which folks in that position trying to get their businesses started, they they rely on that. Yeah. Um, I hadn't thought of it that way. It never occurred to me that a particular segment of the lawyer population might benefit or rely upon that type of advertising or promotional content more than others. And that's an interesting twist on that. Yeah, yeah, I, I hadn't either actually until some people started talking about this with me and I was like, huh, never thought about it. But yeah, so I put this up a while back. Your back and forth on the YouTube video ethics opinion though makes me think of Joe's post about the SCOTUS questioning of chat GPT where it says, did Ruth Bader Ginsburg dissent in Obergefell? Yes, she dissented. Well, who were the justices in the majority? She was in the majority. Well, didn't you just say she dissented? I apologize. She dissented. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, so who was the majority? And they go, I apologize. It was Clarence Thomas. <laughs> at least it has manners. It's going to say, at least it's polite. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, so a few years ago, I can't remember, what was the event we had in Vancouver? It was an ABA, it was the ABA mid-year or something. We were uh, in Vancouver and I was very like, look, we all, we all acknowledge that Canadians are more polite than we are, but I never really realized it until I saw a bus that was out of service. And instead of just saying out of service, it said out of service, then blinked off and said, sorry. And I was like, <laughs> you don't have to apologize, bus. It's okay. Yeah, yeah New York would have been like, out of service. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably with an expletive following it yeah. <laughs> for New York yeah. City. Freaking out of service. Swearing out of service. You. Sorry. <laughs> or sorry, however they say it up there. I, my um, favorite yeah. Canadian story has nothing to do with legal tech, but my family went to um, a conference, a, a concert, a muse concert with my kids. And <laughs> the concert started when Muse came out and you could look around the entire place and see the few Americans because we all jumped up and started screaming and all the Canadians were like, and we were like, what is happening here? And you looked at the floor and there were like little pockets of people flinging themselves around. The rest of them were just standing there. And it was the most bizarre conference, uh, concert because they, they don't interact quite the same way we do at a rock concert. And it was sort of surreal. 
And I had, I think it had to do with kind of being polite to the people around you, but it was a very different experience. And it was, <clears throat> I don't know if I'd go back for a concert. <laughs> it removed a lot of the fun. <laughs> well, something else that happened this week it has nothing to do with concerts in Canada, but um, is uh, the uh, Thomson Reuters uh, Institute put out their report on ALSPs, which they do, what, every two years, I guess now? Mm -hmm. uh, and v Victor, I know the ABA Journal covered it. Joe, I think you covered it, too. I mean, I got a chance to read it myself. It looked, I, wish I, I wish I had because it's a fascinating topic. But uh, I, Victor, what, I mean, can you uh, what, what, were, what was kind of the, the headline out of it? I mean, just that, you know, they're doing really well. Um, they, uh, the market is up to, I think they said 20.6 billion, so 26 point, 20, sorry, 20.6 billion, not 26 billion, 20.6 billion. Uh, and it's up 45% since the last report in 20, in 2021, uh, which would, that, that was what kind of caught my eye. I was like, wow. I mean, I guess, I mean, thinking, thinking about all the times we talk about like all the money going in and all of the, all of the, you know, the big, you know, the, the, the big, you know, the serious funding and stuff like that. I guess, I guess it makes sense just because, I mean, clearly there's there's investments in this area and it's, and it's, and it's clearly growing. So, um, but yeah, it's just, they, they said that, uh, you know, one of the other things I thought was interesting was that, um, you know, they said that, um, you know, there are a lot of, they talked about sort of like the law, like law firms, you know, the, the growing number of law firms that either have their own sort of captive ALSP, a, a, ALSP, sorry, I, I tend to have trouble with these acronyms. I tend to like kind of- I do too. Move, I always get that around. one back. Yeah. Yeah, because it's a I, I, bad I, acronym. It is right. We should I have a better acronym for this. No. I actually keep calling G, GPT GTP for some reason. No, you know what's what really messed me up? The um uh, in, in in Washington with the 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 uh the I'm gonna mess it up now. L triple the, the triple LT. Oh, the triple LT is yeah. Yeah, because I was I was I was L triple T, which I almost did just now. Um, but no, it's actually triple LT. I was which doesn't really, but but yeah. So um. But they talked about sort of the, the captive ALSP, uh, where you know, you know, like like a firm will have its own, you know, in-house, um, in, in, in house in-house provider that that that'll detect for them and whatnot, and and how that's a growing part of you know the, the law firm model as well. And we talked about we talked about that on the show as well. And it's just interesting. It's just interesting to kind of look at this and kind of, um, you know, just just the numbers, you know, like from 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 top of the just that 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 they're really growing and that it's really seems like it's a huge part of of the market now, and and that you know. I think I think they 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 anticipate that it's going to keep keep going up like in the year in, in the years to come. So it'll be interesting to see to see what the what the report says in two years. But um, but yeah, it's just it just it just it was it was it, it, you know just just the numbers were just really kind of. I mean, I I think they weren't surprising because I think we've we've seen some of it, but just seeing it kind of committed to paper and like, uh, or or I guess on screen really not no and no, nobody reads on, on paper anymore, right? Um, just just on screen was just kind of was just kind of eye catching for me. <laughs> Yeah, Joe, you um, wrote about it too. Do you have anything? I did. I mean, the thing that was kind of interesting to me was that the captive ALSBs are doing a really good job and that the uh, that the big four hasn't been taking up as much. It was the a smaller segment of that, which I thought was interesting after years of us all. I think it's been a fairly consistent drumbeat of the big fours about to destroy everybody. And it seems like they just haven't gotten over the hump. For whatever reason, but maybe yeah. that part of that is conflicts. They don't want to get over the hump. They think that the accounting business is too important to jeopardize this way, yada, yada. But yeah, it was interesting that they were, for all the resources they have globally, they weren't the ones winning this race right now. 
it's sort of it's sort of like on, on a little island. I think I think like when Arizona and Utah, like you know, or it's more Arizona than Utah, but when they when they open up their their uh their their markets and whatnot, I think I think you know, I certainly thought, and I'm sure many people thought that oh well, this just means that like this just shows you know, put out the right carpet for like you know your Price Waterhouse Coopers and your KPMGs just come in and just do, and, and just start start doing their thing, but like they haven't done it yet. So it's kind of like yeah, I don't I don't know if, I don't know if, like if what Joe said sort of like. Maybe they, maybe they took a look at it and they were like, it's not worth it, um, you know, or, or, or we're not there yet, or this isn't really a market that's, that's that important to us um, yet. But yeah, who knows? I mean, I think, I think, I think there's still kind of the sleeping giant that a lot of people are, are, are sort of expecting will one day wake up, but I guess maybe it's, it's, it's comfortable just being asleep for now. Yeah. Although I, I yeah. I, um, I think that's true. I mean, all, you know, all of that, I point out, Pointed out before, but I mean, all of that is is all in the big firm world and all all in the corporate world, and uh, you know, uh, not a sleeping giant with respect to smaller businesses or all of the individual consumer legal issues out there that that still aren't getting addressed. True. Although I I mean I I view the ALSP market as largely those big organizations, right? Like it's. Yeah. It's bread and butter is that organization that has three bazillion terabytes worth of data that has to be searched. And I'm like, and yet that's that they still would prefer to walk over to an independent who's been in this business or a captive than to one of the big ones. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so another uh, sort of a weird thing that happened this week, I think. Uh, I, I I don't I don't know how, how long have we been doing this show. We've been doing it for a while now, and I don't know maybe maybe once ever we've like talked about a rebranding of a company, uh, and then suddenly this week there were three rebrandings of legal tech companies. Uh, I, I I wrote about one kicking the week off uh, where Documate uh, rebranded as Gavel. Um, and I mean, the reason they did that was really because they're, I mean, they, they were, and actually for Documate, that was their second rebranding. They started under a different name entirely, but, but, uh, you know, Documate suggested document automation, uh, but they've kind of evolved beyond that into more productization where law firms and, and even legal tech companies like Hello Divorce are using the Documate platform to productize the delivery of, of legal services. So, so they expanded, uh, I mean, they rebranded uh, in, in, in that way. And then uh, just today, I, I wrote about uh, the uh, 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 time by ping, uh, which is uh, an automated timekeeping um, application. Um, and uh, it rebranded uh, earlier this week as Laurel, uh, like the reef. Uh, and the reason for their rebranding was because they're they're expanding into other verticals. Although I don't know how time by ping necessarily would have limited that. Maybe they just didn't like the name. But uh, they're expanding into other verticals and, and going to be more in the in the broader professional services market. Uh, and I always like to point out that Time by Ping was the winner of the very first year of the Startup Alley at ABA Tech Show. Uh, and uh, today is the last day to vote for uh, the next crop of companies that will be at ABA Tech Show. Uh, but then then I then I completely missed, and Mark uh, Lawrence had pointed out to me on Twitter that uh, Abacus Next also rebranded this week uh, and has a new name called Carrot. 
How do you pronounce that? Is it carrot or carrots? Like, I feel like you carrots that you eat are pronounced different slightly than like a diamond carrot, a carrot for diamonds. Correct. Carrot. I think it's carrot. Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, I was that's struggling. always always a bad thing if you've got a, a brand name that people don't know how to pronounce, I guess. Uh, but, uh, you know, they are the parent company of a, a whole bunch of different things, hot docs and uh, Abacus Law and Zola Suite and uh, uh, whatever else they have. Uh, so uh, I, I don't know, something in the something in the water this week in terms of legal tech companies uh, all wanting to rebrand. And maybe that's maybe we'll hear of more of them coming down the pike. Yeah, um, I think do not pay might come up with a new name immediately. That might be on there. They might be asking Chat GPT for one right now. <laughs> Poor do not pay. Uh, in more troubles this week. That, that yeah. Uh, the uh, the whole thing about like, uh, he, he well, said he was going to give money idea. to charity. Did you see the thing about how he said he was going to give what donut ten dollars to charity every time somebody did so? I don't even remember what it was, and then looked like possibly he was forging his donation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He, he was saying that he'd done it in the past, basically, and they looked at the receipt that he posted. It's like, wait a minute, that receipt was from yesterday. Yeah, it was. It's not good. Uh, which, look, I actually, yeah, I wrote a piece. Uh, I wasn't available last week because I was at the debate tournament that I uh, that that I uh, that I was at, and so I wasn't able to join. But I did listen in for a couple of minutes as a. Uh, as, a, as just kind of a hiding it as a listener. And while you were talking about the do not pay issue, and like I'd written a story that week that focused on, I I actually didn't have a problem with do not pay arguing a traffic case. I, I mean, I've been to traffic court. There's not a lot of complexity there. Uh, but my issue was hiding, obviously hiding it from the judge was a problem, right? Like that's right. a problem. Right. Uh, doing things like if you think that the rules are against you, you lobby to change the rules. You don't say screw the rules. Like I agree with all that, but I was very, I, my take last week, since I wasn't here, I'll air it now. My take was very, I thought that lawyers were getting a little too high horsey about like, Oh, good. He needs to come up and lawyers can't do. We need real lawyers. You can't have technology here, which read to me a lot more like technology is all well and good. So long as we get to still be the gatekeepers of it, which bothered me a bit and not that I was defending it. But yeah, there was a little confusion because some of us, I think we're talking about the offer to have someone argue in front of the Supreme Court. And others of us were talking about the traffic tickets. So the arguments only applied to like mine, like the uh, ethics and malpractice really applied more to in front of the Supreme Court than a traffic ticket. But it was see, and what's weird, yeah, oh no, definitely, and and a lot of it, people were going diff- both ways. That's definitely true. I actually kind of thought that the Supreme Court one, yeah, like it, it was just an impossibility. So I didn't really think about it. I actually, I actually reached out to them uh, and didn't hear back because you know, immediately happened afterwards. But I actually reached out and was like. Maybe would you be willing to set up a thing where we we like get a moot court set up? Like you're not going to be in front of the Supreme Court, but if you're willing to put a money for the Supreme Court, maybe you could put like fifteen grand to an open bar tab, and we can uh, get a get a room somewhere and get some professors and judges and see what it does. Uh, but yeah, obviously their their PR issues became bigger <laughs> very quickly. 
Yeah, even that traffic ticket thing. I mean, why not try and find a friendly judge to do the experiment with? I mean, a judge who would be open to it, a, a mm -hmm. Scotch Legal or somebody like that, maybe who who might be willing to experiment a little. He's bit. On, he's on record that he was against it, but yes, somebody like I don't that. Know. I mean, set up a set up a test rather than try and do it on the slide. I, I just didn't get that, but. Or just do it, or, or just do it with like Judge Judy or something, or, or whoever replaced Judge Judy. Um, right. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, like do like some people's court thing, like or or, or you know where, where, where you know Judge Reinhold or something. You know, like where you yeah, you just it's just it's just you know where you have a controlled a controlled setting that's not like in court and you're not smuggling something in that you're not supposed to have and using technology on you know on the sly. Yeah. Or even a law school moot court. Like I like yeah. you know, setting up a fake one, just going to the law school. They've got them all over the place. You know as well. <laughs> well I mean, I was very much like you can get some moot court, you can get some law students maybe to be involved. You could get a couple of professors who deal with these sorts of issues. You could get a practitioner or two who's been in front of the Supreme Court. I I mean, I I could call a couple that I think would be willing to do it. Like, let's just have it and but yeah it kind of fell apart on that front um meanwhile when does the movie come out of Catherine Tucson? <laughs> yeah by the way uh let's let's take a second that uh talk about like pissing off exactly the wrong person uh she Catherine Tucson's just like every day is another nail in that coffin <laughs> she is dogged she is dogged. yeah um but yeah, be nice to Catherine Tucson. Um, what else? That's all I had. What else do we have? Anything else anybody wants to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we should come up with something else, but I just haven't. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Um, yeah, like, uh, what do we got here? What else? Trying to think. Uh, let's see. I talked about. Uh, Ooh, wait. We've got an say, answer on say, how to pronounce carrot. Have, oh, good. I have something. It's better. Let me look in while you. It's pronounced like the typographical symbol, which is carrot. Okay. Because that's how you spell it in the typographical sense, which I guess I probably knew, but I never really would have thought of. So that's interesting. Yeah. We could oh, talk I... about theory and principle rebrand, uh, not rebranding, but relaunching this new, not launching, not relaunching. Theory yeah. Principal had their fifth anniversary and they're launching a new business, TNP Studio, where they're going to be for year for five years. They've been building tech for other people. Now they're going to start building products uh, for themselves or in partnership with other companies. If you've got an idea for a tech product, but uh, maybe you don't have the the developers, the engineering uh, folks, or or maybe you don't have the budget for it or whatever else, you can partner with Theory and Principal and uh, go to market together with a product. So you think if you have a you ha, you think you have a theory, but you're not sure if it works in principle. Uh, <laughs> you can I don't know that doesn't really work, but it sort of works. Yeah, it sort of works. <laughs> yeah, that's I, good. I saw an interest uh, interesting case in it was Chat GPT, but where like a Colombian judge used it to ascertain whether the defendant. Or no, whether someone who was autistic fell within some sort of, I can't remember. It was, it was oh, wow. Basically, they used it on the bench is what was interesting. Um, to In a medical rights case in Colombia, 
to determine if a boy diagnosed with autism was exempt from paying medical costs. So I thought it was interesting just that the judge used it to look up a very specific legal issue that I definitely feel like chat GPT would get wrong. Like, <laughs> I would not rely on its response. So I thought that was an interesting uh, use case. I put it in the chat. Yeah. yeah. I guess one other thing yeah. I would mention, Caroline is not here. Oh, I'm sorry. What, do, do we going to say something about that? No, no, go for it. Well, I was going to say Caroline is not here this week, but uh, no kidding. I, I encourage. Well, no. I, is I it a week that ends in a day with Y? Yeah, go on. <laughs> that's not what I was pointing out. <laughs> um, but uh, if you hadn't seen her, we've talked a lot about Rain in Court. What happened with Rain in Court? She had a, a in-depth uh, conversation with uh, uh, Rain in Court uh, founder CEO Andy Klein. Uh, you know, we, as as everybody knows, uh, Rain in Court laid off most of its staff, uh, you know, scaled back dramatically in terms of its support for the platform it was operating. Uh, and so everybody's been wondering, is this the end of Rain and Court? What's going on with Rain and Court? Uh, and uh, Caroline had a really, uh, really interesting uh, conversation with Andy that uh, uh, maybe answers some of those questions or tries to, at least get you get Andy's thoughts on, on, on the answers to some of those questions. So I encourage you, there's the link in the chat if anybody wants to follow up on that. Maybe we can get Caroline here next week to talk about that. All right. Was there something else, Joe, that I cut you off on? No, you're all set. No, I mean, like, whatever. I was just whatever. like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of something, you know, because we're, we are, you know, about, you know, eight or nine minutes short of what we usually work for. So I'm like trying to come up with something, but I know for yeah. what I pay you guys, it should be, uh, I, I have one that relates to, um, it's another oh, one good. That I posted on Twitter. It's more, it's less legal tech and it's just more, Lowering the bar, you know, the blog that always posts really funny things. A judge yes. said the um, F word no longer has sufficient shock value to be a problem at work. I thought that was a nice conclusion. And it's now that we all know that we can just swear with abandon. So I wanted, I just thought that was a good thing for everyone to be aware of so that uh, we can just drop the F bomb all over the place on this show because this is kind of work, right? You're welcome here. You're welcome here. You can use whatever <laughs> words you want here. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it, well, that was my big story last week was the law professor uh, saying uh, saying the F-bomb under his breath about a student request. Do you know uh, what I saw? That she said my, that he had a comb over. Right so, you know, what's interesting is some people have heard that, some people didn't. I didn't necessarily hear that, but I've definitely heard, gotten uh, responses from people saying like, well, she insulted him immediately after. And I was like, put aside whether or not that excuses like whether or not you do anything there also like what a weird response if if that was what he heard why isn't he being more like wait a minute what did you say like that's how i would react if i were in that situation not that i have a comb over ish but but like it, it seems like if that was what he even heard he would have been more anyway whatever he's apologized i think i think rightly so i thought that he i actually took the stance that the request was a little unreasonable, especially in an era where we videotape things. However, his response to it needed to be more open and much more oriented towards making sure people learn the material, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so yeah, that was my take on that. Yeah. We do have yeah, conference season coming up. Oh, go ahead, Victor. Which well, season? As, as, as someone who, uh, you know, at, at, at staff meetings will often drop the F-bomb for, for emphasis on certain words. 
Uh, this is welcome news for me. So uh, I, I am actually quite quite pleased about this. But you know, I I, I do kind of feel like sometimes when I when I do say it in uh, in uh, in certain circumstances, it still does uh, land without with with the with um, without without quite the intent that I that I was I, I was hoping for. So I, I guess there's still there's still you know I can also see the argument that maybe this that this doesn't quite open the floodgates for me to you know do my Andrew Dice Clay impersonation at at, uh, at yeah. meetings, but. I mean, it, my takeaway like on it, I, I definitely felt like it, it was what it was. It was one of the few things that crosses over that line into me real me realizing, am I going to start saying things like the problem with kids these days? But, I, the, but what I thought was the problem with kids these days is the issue was, especially because there were a lot of international students in the class, was that the way in which he was teaching the course they felt was excluding people on basis of national origin from learning the material, which is a serious complaint and a valid one. And then a lot of the conversation about it was he used an F word. And I was like, yeah, we should be nicer to people, but come the F on. Like, you've got to realize, like, like, you're going into law. Like, that's that's going to happen. And it was it was a lesson, like, I thought the lesson as a to young lawyers is that sometimes every argument, it doesn't need to be in your brief for a good reason, because that one made the more important argument look less important. It looked more frivolous. Like, yes, it was valuable as a catch that that was happening. But like the real argument was the he's not open to change, not that he gets frustrated and uses what every client is going to say to you forever and ever, but whatever. Yeah, the only thing I was gonna say is we do have, uh, it's gonna be a busy uh, couple of months coming up with legal tech conferences on the agenda. We're just three weeks away from ABA Tech Show uh, this month. I, I need to get my passes for that. Yeah, you know what? It just occurred to me. I've never registered. I haven't registered for ABA Tech Show, and I'm yeah, I'm I got like to as well. Leading yeah, the startup I'm, I'm alley actually, thing, and I haven't. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to get my pass as well, and I'm you know going to be there. So, I have yeah, no hotel, but... no travel arrangements, nothing. I've been so focused. The, the startup alley has been like a, a beast this year. It's like we had a lot of applications, and just it's been crazy. Um, and then Joe and I are going to be in uh, Salt Lake City in a couple of weeks. We're going to be spending Super Bowl Sunday. And are you going to be there for Super Bowl, Joe? Or are you coming in later? You going to file by? Joe froze. Did Joe freeze? Joe froze. He's frozen. Either that or he's really awesome. stumped. <laughs> but the fire's not moving in the background. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, but he and I are going to a conference uh, in Salt Lake City in a couple of weeks, Filevine, and then uh, Legal Week coming up not long after that. So uh, um, it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting couple of months going forward. Um, Busy. All right. Well, um, oh, he died. Hopefully, uh, his power didn't go out where he is. Um, well, I hope everybody uh, is able to stay warm. Uh, Dan, Dan, you're going to Filevine, uh, and uh, has a has a good weekend, and uh, we'll see some of you back here next week. We'll, not sure who. Nikki, you said you might not be back next week, but. Have another Austin trip, going back to the home office again. Busy person. Be in the air, yeah. All right. Austin. Not a bad place to go, except for this week. All right. Bad weather. <laughs> all right. All right, well, stay warm, everybody. Have a good weekend. We'll see you all next week.
Ja, ja. 